Welcome to Inside Motorsport. Got an absolute treasure this week because we're here with Kenny Smith. It's New Zealand Grand Prix weekend. Kenny, um, it's uh, wonderful you're getting a, another start. We'll get on to uh, how many and all those sort of things, but Manfield is a track that's got its own challenges and TRS cars as well. Yeah, it is. Um, Manfield's been around since the 70s and we've been sort of here from day one. It's uh, it's like another home for us and I love the track. It's good and the people are good around it. So. And to run a TRS round here is going to be a thrill. So. Yeah, it's it's tight. There's not a lot of elevation in the pace. No, and it just work with those TRSs around here because with twisty corners where you know like a B5000, you, you're doing it cruising, it get a bit more comfortable in the car. But it is it is a fantastic place, and there are opportunities to pass here. As may as it may seem small, but there's quite a number of places you can actually slot in on people. I'm sure you've got them all filed there, ready to use them. <laughs> now, there's a wonderful array of young men, 18 of them. There was a young woman, unfortunately, she damaged her back. Yeah. Not ir- irreparably, but, you know, she's not here at the moment. But these 18 young guys from 17 different countries, you've had a chance to meet some of them? I have some of them, yeah. And they're always very friendly, even like last year and this year. They'll always come up and shake hands and probably quite fascinated to think what's a silly old fool going to do out here today, you know. They're trying to psych you, mate. Well, They're yeah, trying to psych you. One of them was saying the other day that to um, one of my friends, he said, that Kenny's crazy. At 71, why is he doing this? And he said, I've got better news for He's 78. He says, he's even crazier. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to list some of uh, your achievements in motorsport. I, I, I'd be here for days if I went through them all, but you've got five gold stars starting in uh, 1975. And the Gold Star being the pinnacle of, Australia, of New Zealand motorsport, and, and we have one in Australia. Unfortunately, it hasn't been awarded for some years because we don't have a pinnacle of motorsport. But anyway, yes. then uh, you won three of the uh, Revival 5000 titles. Yeah. And using the same weapon of choice that you had back in 75, a T332. Yep. Um, I always found it fascinating. Frank Gardner would talk about how he didn't want to be the oldest racing driver, just the fastest. No, the other way around. He wanted he wanted to be the oldest and not the fastest, <laughs> and yet he developed these things called T300s, etc. But they were amazing cars, and you've sold yours recently, though. Yeah, it's been sold now. It's gone to a museum. We sort of got it out of a U.S. museum. Uh, it was an Interscope car from Danny Ongoas, and uh, and now it's gone back to go to sleep in the museum again. But it's a beautiful car, that. I mean, that car was... It was world class as condition because the guys working on it used to be a fanatic on it, and, and you need to be because of the danger in them. Yep. Okay, now in different cars, because you didn't take the 5000 to the Penang Grand Prix, you won that three times. Yes. The Selangor Grand Prix, you won twice, and the Malaysian, you won as well. They were all done in Pacifics? In Pacific cars, yes. Was that always in the. In the um, they were like marches and lotuses yep. and, and what, what the were twin cam engines. Um, I had marches. I had a lotus the first time up there yep. at the Singapore GP, and then we went to march after that. Okay. They were a, um, a very kit car sort of thing, weren't they? They were easy to get yeah, parts for. Them they and were. Them. Yeah, march used to make a hell of a lot of them, and uh, you could get bits for them easy, and they were simple to work on. Okay. Now, getting around to the uh, Grand Prix, your first in 63. Um, and this was an era when Formula One drivers were looking for a break, and and of course in that era as well, that you all drove different cars, didn't you? It wasn't just the one, one. No, they were just. It was more like a you say like a Libra class, um, because you know you had Lotuses and Brabhams and all sorts of cars like to Formula Juniors upwards, and, and unfortunately in those days we had the a junior type car, so you got lapped about every six or seven laps. But it was an honour to be running with the best in the world. And, and those guys were simple people, 
turned up on an open deck trailer with a Formula One Lotus and all that, and there was no, uh, you know, no celebrities type stuff. It was just everybody was doing the same sort of job. Yeah. And it would always spend time talking to you. And um, even going back to the, the Clark day, I remember that Jimmy had a fuel bag leak a couple of hours for a Grand Prix. And they're running around going mad. They've left their fuel kit in England. They never bought it with them to repair it. And they're looking around to see if anybody had a fuel bag. And somebody says, this guy got a Lotus 41 down there. And I think that's the first of the fuel bags they put in a, in a production car. So they come running down. I said, I wouldn't have a clue. So I went through the gear that was sent out with the car. And there's a tiny little box. And it had the repair kit in it. Oh. Said, and, and Colin Chapman was here at the time. And he said, can we borrow it and we'll replace it? And I said, yeah, yeah, you take it away. So they repaired the car and got him going. And about nine months later, I still hadn't heard from him, and it didn't worry me, but then all of a sudden, out of the blue comes a box that must have been a foot long, a foot deep, and it's had that massive number of patches. You'd probably need 400 cars to repair, <laughs> and with a little note from Chapman saying, thank you for all your help and all that. Which, yeah, you wouldn't see that today, would you? No, indeed, <laughs> indeed not. Um, I'm just going to read out some of the names that you race against in the New Zealand Grand Prix, because it, it is an extraordinary list. Of course, the Jim Clarks, Jack Brabham, Sterling Mosses, Jackie Stewart's, Graham Hills, Chris Amon, Bruce McLaren, of course, Denny Holm, Frank Manich. And then you go into the era of uh, 5,000s like Warwick Brown, and then Pacifics like Keki Rosberg and Roberta Moreno, Ross, Ross Cheever, Paul Radisic, Craig Baird, Greg Murphy, and then the Formula Fords of Johnny Reed, Dan Gort, Nick Cassidy. And then, you know, the TRS days of Lance Stroll, Lando Norris. Uh, quite extraordinary, and there's a one particular record that you share with uh, uh, four other men in, in Jack Brabham, Sterling Moss, Craig Baird, and Nick Cassidy. You've all won the New Zealand Grand Prix three times. That's quite an honour. But the thing that's very different, those guys done it, done it all in one car virtually. Yeah, yeah. You've done it in a, in a different ones. Yeah. Yes, every time. Yeah. So I wasn't even aware that of how many that they'd done and I, mean, yeah. I just never sat down and thought it was only four of us ever done it but um, you know I I'd sort of go, don't go looking records don't no, make, worry me I just love driving cars and love helping kids to, to build up to, from nothing to get somewhere And uh, but it is an, a thrill and an honour to be amongst people like Jack Brabham and all that so I mean they were names and good people too not just uh, not people you walk past, you're not but so loud. The thing, thing, you know, and I, I want to impress on it, it's not longevity that you've got on your side as well. It's competitiveness. Yeah. I mean, you weren't out there filling the grids. I mean, certainly in those early days, yes, you say it was an honour to be amongst them. But also the one thing that you were doing was accumulating knowledge, weren't you? Yes, and you, you do you do learn a lot of knowledge and you learn it from other people. Yeah. You know, you're following people, even guys that are real good and looking at what they're doing and thinking, Jesus, I'm not doing quite that. So you try something, ah, now we've clicked onto something. Yeah. And, look, when I get in a car, whether I'm first or last, I'm giving it 110%. Because as far as I'm concerned, everybody in front of you is the guy that's got to be pushed back behind you. Yeah. And I know now with this TRS, it's got harder because of the of of age and body strength and all that. But mentally, I can still do it, and and I can still paint in a car and blank it out while I'm driving it. Yeah. When I'm finished, then you know you've done it. <laughs> but these cars are hard because the guys have done 20 days on us. And we've done 15 laps, and I know I'll have a struggle, but that's not the purpose. This is the purpose to try and get to 50 Grand Prix, because it's just something I want to do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but just, uh, just talk about it for a second there, because 
you, you've come through so many eras of motorsport, big engines, small engines, and the one that's now in vogue and has been for 15 years, and look, I'm not being denigrating of at all of it yeah. because Toyota has done an amazing job. And it's almost like Toyota went out looking around the world to find somewhere where they could do this, where they could have a, a class, a, a series where they could grow people sort of thing to become yes. Formula One drivers. And it control chassis, engines, tyres, the whole deal, it's something that's been happening, you know, with uh, growing momentum for some years and something you obviously had to come to grips with. Yeah, we, we, you're right. When it's got, a, Although I'm, I'm sort of all fan for a one-mate class because if you can have a class that everybody's got equal car, equal engine, then you pick out a good driver. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of cases in the past when there's been different types of cars, there's been people cheating with something different. But if it's all lined up and it's, and it's teched and checked, then it gives you the equal chance. And if you get beaten, hey, somebody's driving better than you. That's the way I look at it. And, you know, what Toyota have done here, there's no doubt about it. If you look at all the record from start now, so many drives that are left here, all the New Zealanders even, and have gone somewhere, haven't they? Oh, yeah. And, and look, there is an alumni of kids that have grown and you know for the size of New Zealand's yeah. racing population yeah. you know to have had the Bambas, Cassidy's, Gaunt's, Hartley's you know yeah. just to have so many of them. Yeah we've, we've been so lucky that New Zealand for a little country has it's, got so many so much talent in this country. I'll, I'll take you to task on that it is not lucky it's good management. Well and I suppose this, you're right yeah. In this particular case it was Toyota's good management. Yeah yeah. Um, the, they saw a chance I was fascinated to hear that when the global financial crisis hit, and it hit car companies pretty bad, you know yeah. full well yes. that the Fords and Chevrolets, they went belly up and they would have disappeared if the government hadn't stepped in, the American government that is. Um, but I was fascinated to hear that Toyota said to Toyota New Zealand, this is Japan, Tokyo to uh, New Zealand, saying don't decrease your spend in the GFC, yeah. increase it. Yeah. Because they knew that there was a chance here that you know, to make sure that the series maintained its focus yes. and uh, it has done a great job and look it's fascinating the way in which and I, I was aware that last <coughs> night um, Nico and uh, Amanda had a meeting for the next season Yeah, last night That's with good. the team owners Yeah, and that in itself is, is a wonderful thing the way in which they've structured it so there are four team owners one Australian three New Zealanders or you know uh, pairs um, that own the series and um, they they run there, and it means that they can be commercially viable. Yeah. And you know full well that if a team's not making money, then they're not going to do it for very long. That's for sure. You know. So I, I just think there's so many smart things about it. And yeah. Uh, quite apart from New Zealand being smart and having two dollar coins that are bigger than one dollar coins. Yeah. <laughs> compared to Australia's rather stupid the other way around. <laughs> but the great thing is that such a successful series, um, Kenny. Uh, I, I heard also yesterday that there's a, a chance, and it's a chance, that the uh, Grand Prix would go, may go back to Pukekohe next year. There's if been, that was to be. Yeah, uh, there has been talk about that for quite a while, but it's sort of been talk, and, uh, and I suppose Manfield wanted to hang on to what they've got. But that would be great. I mean, I'm probably looking at it from old times where your Grand Prix circuit was Pukekohe, leave it there. Yeah. It's like Ardmore, we had Ardmore, but of course Ardmore has closed down, so you don't yes. have any option. But yeah. to change it to somewhere else, it's just so nice to see it. I mean, Tonga had it as well, a Grand Prix. It doesn't seem the same there. No. You've got to go back to your old circuit you started on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it would be great to see them here. Saying that, I mean, Manfield's done a magic job what they're doing. But 
Pukeko would be an exciting place to take it back to. Well, as it was your debut track, then yeah. there would certainly be a certain amount of magic in oh, number 50 happening there. Yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Actually, that would be, the 50 would be good to crack there, wouldn't it? It would indeed, yeah. it would indeed. I'd make the flight, yeah. all right? Um, just one quick one now, we'll just backtrack. Um, you've got a workshop at Hampton Downs, and you've yes. had that for some ten years. years. Well, as long as the track's been there, yep. come okay. up ten now. And what's in your shed there? Uh, we've got a lot of old um, memorabilia and stuff. I've sat up the top like an old museum. We've got photos and entry forms and things from Ardmore days back in the 50s and just collected stuff, so it's like a little... I, I've got a um, copy of your scrapbook. I'll have to get you to sign it sometime. Yeah. it's. It, but you've got a few race cars as well. Yeah, I did have a lot more. At one stage I had about 18 race cars, but oh. I've sort of weeded out now. I've got a couple of Atlantic DB4 Swifts there. I've got a Formula 3000 Dome, two of them, which oh, Craig Beard went to drive for... Dome in, in Formula 3000. No, they had a Mugen in them. Oh, okay, yeah. right, which is and, very similar to yeah. yeah. And um, the, other than that, there's, there's not much more left there now. The 5000's gone. There's a few old tub on the wall that was scarred here and here from the 5000. But um, apart from that, now I've got a TRS. It's uh, a 50. A 50, yeah, which is Armstrong's car. And it's, it's beautiful to drive. I enjoy it. We've got a new single seater class, so I sort of run that a bit now. So, uh, do, do you have a favourite track in New Zealand? I never try to make a favourite track because even the ones you don't like, you've got to drive on them. So if you get a hate on things, yes. you won't go any good in them. But um, now, I mean, I can always say that Manfield has been one of my favourite tracks. Yes. You know, we've done so many miles here, you could run around with your eyes it, shut. It, it looks like in a 5,000 that there wouldn't be room for it, you know. No, it's amazing. Like, you know, they get around here pretty quick. And um, But a 5,000 is quite nice to drive around here. Yeah, I mean, okay. you're working at it, but it's still... I, I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah. I, did, I did drive. I worked for Colin Himes many years ago and did drive his car very briefly, but yeah. it was a T192, but... Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's a hard car to drive compared to a 332. Yeah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you very much, Kenny. Um, I certainly uh, hope to grab you on Sunday night and uh, yeah. have a few minutes of your time then. So it, uh, and also, you know, I'd like to say that I'll take my hat off to Toyota for what they've done because I've seen what they've done over the last 15 years and it's it's been a magic job, you know, to keep them going that long because a lot of companies could come in and disappear after five years but yes. hey they're doing a lot of good work for young kids that are coming up. Well the interesting thing is I mean Barry and Louise Thomason you know set a great standard Yeah. but the great thing is that the, Nico and Amanda have actually taken it further Yeah. You know, and, and that's been wonderful I mean yeah. the, the sheer fact that you know, people around the world are watching us live on, on streaming on, yeah. their, on their computers yeah. Is is a fantastic thing. It is fantastic, and it's um, and it's good to see young kids. Even we've got to get more locals in it. Yeah, um, that's why I'm working now with guys on Formula Fords and and try and get four or five of these guys. And the, and the purpose for the F50 was to get kids in it and give them some runs so they get the idea what they could be in for here. Yeah. So I've sort of been working with Toyota on that. We need to push that fact to get some more young guys into that because well, that helps make them, doesn't it? I'm sure, Kenny Smith, that uh, you'll continue to do that. And thank you for your time today on Hi, Inside Motorsport. Hi, I'm Craig And you. coming soon is the Cart Report. A look at karting in the Australian Capital Territory and Southern New South Wales region. I hope you can join me each week as we talk to carters, look at track developments and the major series around the state. It's the Cart Report each week at sportradio.com.au, on iTunes, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. The Cart Report returns very soon. We're here at Manfield for the final round of the 
2020 TRS. It's New Zealand Grand Prix, and I'm with Bruin Beasley, MTech, uh, racing with RACE GP, doing their engineering uh, for the first time. And Bruin, just wanting to take you through the logistics of running five cars, five weeks in another country. It definitely prevents us it's challenges um, for us being based in Australia. Everything's remote, so you know, coordinating. 22, 23 people from all around the world is, is a challenge, but it's it's like a routine. Once you've done it a couple of times, you kind of know where you're going and what you need, and um, hopefully you end up going a lot of the same places, so you carry bookings over and um, try and keep it simple. It's not, that, not necessarily the case all the time. Okay, so you've got five cars, so you've got a number one and a number two on each of those cars. So we've got a number one, a number two an engineer and then we've got a, a shared tyre come fuel guy um, and then we've got a, a, a data assistant working with the engineers who downloads the cars and sets up the, the the TVs and all the bits and pieces so he's an assistant to them which helps it takes the load off them as well plus myself um, and Joanne who does the catering and logistics Okay. Now, um, the number one, number twos, uh, they've got you know a fair workload because you only get two days off a week and you've got to travel in amongst that. So yeah, look, it's for them, it, so effectively Monday, Tuesday is a day off. Tuesday quite often is a bit of a travel day, so we try and leave the circuit as early as we can Sunday night once we pack up, so we usually get away between 6.30 and 7.30 depending on, on the pack up. And then we head to the next destination. So last weekend was Hampton Downs, Bukakawa area. So we, we travel straight down to Taupo. Got the guys there Sunday night, which means they get all of Monday, Tuesday um, in Taupo, which is good. So they can relax, go skydiving, water skiing, fishing, whatever they might want to do. And then head down first thing early Wednesday morning to be at the track at 9.30, 9 o'clock to unload and start setting up and prepping for Thursday's running. Okay, so, I mean, hopefully you have straight cars to put in a container on a Sunday night. Um, at Hampton Downs, that was the case, um, which just makes the pack-up a little bit easier. Yeah, look, it's a challenge when you've got crash cars, and we've had that in the past where you're, you're feeding a, a two- or three-wheel car into a container, and that just makes Wednesday really difficult. You know, you're only you're not allowed to on site until 9 o'clock, containers open, and that's to stop. Um trying to limit the time at the track and try and give the guys a break so when you've got a crash car you can actually spend all Wednesday putting it together and then Thursday morning trying to finish it off before you go on track when they're straight it's, it's quite a simple process of servicing and cleaning and uh, set downs and set up so crash cars is definitely hard work um, and if they're really bad um, at times you can get special permission and get into the track early if you've got to replace a tub or something so sometimes you might spend the Monday, Tuesday rebuilding a car as well Right, okay Now um, Toyota carry that, that truck here with all the spares that you need for rebuilds and repairs on a Wednesday? Yeah, look, uh, they're on site Tuesday afternoon to have the truck open first thing Wednesday morning for us so they've got everything um, Very rarely do you, do you go to the truck and they don't have it Even this morning we had a, a damper issue so went to the truck and got a new one and gave them the old one that we thought had an issue so their truck is full of stuff and it's an amazing um, credit to them that they've basically got whatever you need whenever you need it 
Um, and very rarely do they run out of stock, even though when you've had some pretty big crashes and multiple crashes that, you know, they've got it there, they've actually got a car, a complete roller ready to go if someone's done a tub. Um, you know, in the past we've had to replace a tub at a round and we've just grabbed a car that they had semi-prepared and then, then worked through um, on the Monday, Tuesday, another round to actually fix, finish the other tub back off to, as a changeover system. So, um, yeah, they've got everything you need. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, one of the keys to this particular category in this series is the fact that Toyota have limited it to four teams. Uh, one Australian team and three New Zealand teams. Um, it makes it commercially viable because you can get the four, five, six cars and drivers that you need. Yeah, look, it's always been, a, for me, a key part of the series that um, it's, it's a closed shop as such that, you know, theoretically four teams, 20 cars, five cars each. Um, it doesn't necessarily always work that way, but it actually makes it, Viable because in the past, in the old two two generation cars ago, you know people would come in for a season and disappear again. So it actually didn't give any continuity to the whole process. And for me, that's part of the attraction. Where I know that that's how it works, and it's easy for us to sell seats. Uh, you're doing a good job; it's pretty easy. If you're doing a bad job, it makes it harder. But there's always people, rookies, and things that want to come through. Um, so Theoretically, you're always getting some people in your seats. Um, now, one of the things um, this year is that you've changed your engineering setup. In the past, that you've been providing your own, and now you've got an alliance with a very successful European team that know the car. Yeah, look, in the past, we've always employed engineers from all around the world, from all different categories, and they've all been very good. You know, places from you know Carl and from our race before. Um, a vast array of teams all through Europe um, and that's worked very well but for me sitting down looking at a long term plan and with a new generation car the best thing for us was to get some continuity for a period of time so a core engineering group um, that understood the car knows the car, knows the tyre um, was important I think for us moving forward to be successful and at the moment they're the best team in Europe you know they they're on top of everything over there. They're team champions, rookie champions, driver champions for the last two or three years. So um, when the opportunity arose to, to talk to them and, and, and work on a, on a plan, um, it just made common, it was just common sense. Yep, okay. Um, which is one of the things that this year, of course, is a brand-new chassis. It's a chassis that's been used uh, in Europe um, for only a year or so, is it? So it was new for 2019 for EuroCup. Yep. Uh, and regional F3, but Asia had used it probably six or eight months before that in their series. Okay. So Toyota introduced a new chassis, the FT60, which was a Tata chassis, as the previous two models were, the 40 and the 50. Um, they also introduced a Hancock tyre to replace the Michelin tyre that had been used, and they had a new engine, which is a turbocharged 2-litre. Um, it would appear from the outside that those three elements appear as successful. Yeah, look, it was... It was getting us in line with the rest of the world, really. The older generation car we had was a fantastic car, but it was a twin-cam engine. It was more like a, a an old-style old Atlantic car, yep. um, which fitted the, the market when it was introduced four, five, six years ago. 
this car has now brought us in line with the rest of the world. So it's the same as the regional S3 cars, the same as Euro Cup cars, the same as yeah. the Asia S3 car. Um, you know, and it's a directive of the FIA to have turbocharged four-cylinders cars. That's that's a directive moving forward. So um, the series have done the right thing. It's been a, a massive job by them on the off-season to make it all happen, but I think it's been a success. You know, they look good, they go good. Um, and the same as what they're running around the world. Yeah. And the Hankook tyre is what's running in Euro Cup and those places, so that's our market. Yeah. Uh, that's where our drives come from, so it made sense to align ourselves. Yeah. Um, you've um, unfortunately had uh, probably too, too many crashes uh, to uh, um, put yourselves really in contention, and that always puts you behind the eight ball, doesn't it? Yeah, the reality is, you know, at the first round we gave 70 points away with KO, and you never catch that up, Never. And since then, he's had another two or three DNFs and crashes. So you just in this series, you've got to finish. If you look at someone like um, Colapinto or Saucy, you know they've not necessarily been winning races or putting on pole, but they've been consistent and finishing in the top four, five, six, seven every time, and in the top three, four, five in the championship. So you have to finish, and we haven't. You know, we've all our drivers have crashed, all our drivers have penalties. Um, and you suffer the consequences. Yeah. Um, and of course, the importance of the series took on uh, even greater uh, merit when uh, the super license points which were in place actually were increased with the introduction of the uh, halo chassis of the Tatus that, that meant that uh, you know they can get a, a great deal more for, towards uh, getting a Formula One super license. Yeah. Look, I think that's part of the whole the global thing. You know. Um, that's important for our guys that we have that option and it's important that there's people that come out who um, in the past has been like Lucas Auer for example people like that who are trying to um, position themselves better so the super licence points are important um, I don't believe it's the be and end all but it's definitely an advantage I yeah. think it definitely helps there's no question about that Yeah. and uh, and you're as far as concerned for 21 is just a full steam ahead and uh, just work on your plans yeah look I think we've got some some internal changes we need to start looking at I think there's some stuff this year that's highlighted that we probably need to to reposition but I think um, yeah at the moment it's full steam ahead we'll get a, we'll get back to Australia, have a deep breath um, and then we've got a few months to really start thinking about it before we, 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 we move on I'll have to go to Europe again and sit down with our race and might do a couple of rounds with them to see how they do some stuff and then work on a plan all right. Well, thanks very much, with Brian Beasley. We look forward to hearing what the uh, outcome of those plans are in the future, and that, in fact, we hope that more than uh, one Australian will be on board. We hope that multiple Australians will come and do the series. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd, you know, for me, it's amazing that the people in Australia don't understand what's going on here, and drivers don't get it either. But you know, Australia's very divided, isn't it? The other one is our supercar drivers or F1 drivers. The F1 drivers are very far few between. And they go and probably do some some things that probably don't make a lot of sense when you're in the industry. But hopefully that you know Jackson's now his deals his European deal will be announced soon. Um, he's going to put himself in a good spot. So hopefully and Oscar's success last year and obviously moving on will be important. So um, I think it's going to be important, and I'd love to see more here. All right, well, thank you, Brian Beasley. We'll uh, talk to you uh, before the weekend's over. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.